0: Welcome to episode number 156, Attitudes in Reverse. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by the Motivation Files Unleashed, this motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. All right, you are now tuned into the Rotated Views podcast. I am your host Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Gabe, Kurt, Trisha, Goose, Mike, and Lee. Uh, attitudes in Reverse. In this episode, we have special guests Mike Mamula and the crew from A.I.R. Trisha and Kurt. We cover topics that range from mental health, suicide prevention volunteer work, saving lives, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Anne Frank and Albert Einstein. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe. We drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. Kicking things off. Kurt, Trisha, Mike, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for welcoming us in this awesome building. Um, thanks for joining us
1: oh thank you so much Thanks. for the invitation we're grateful for it
2: thank you for coming
0: out absolutely um, all right so let's jump right into it so for those of us uh, who do not know um, can first Kurt start with you explain who you are what you do and then Trisha and then explain AIR
3: oh that's dangerous you want me to go <laughs> first before my wife <laughs> oh my goodness Uh oh. I am Trisha Baker's wife, husband <laughs> <laughs> i well-trained, <laughs> uh, and I do whatever she tells me to do. Nice. <laughs> We're co-founders of Attitudes Reverse or Air. And yeah. so um, many years ago, our son, when he was 15 years old, was diagnosed with a mental health disorder. Yeah. And uh, just by sheer luck, we happened to know somebody who was a, um, a psychologist, and she referred us. He was acting a little unusually, my wife said, and yeah. um, told us that we really need to get him evaluated, find out what was happening. And we did that. So... We uh, we found out early on that he had a mental health disorder. And, sure. Uh, the long and the short, I know we have a lot of topics talk here, so I don't want to think yeah, no, all no, the no, time. Absolutely. But it's, uh, um, we, we tried to get him the help that he needed, and we went through many, many different types of therapies and so forth. And I think we just uh, unfortunately ran out of time. Yeah. And uh, a couple of weeks before his graduation of high school, unfortunately, uh, we lost Kenny to suicide. Wow. And uh, after the loss of Kenny um, – uh, and uh, kind of during it during his decline really mm-hmm. he started he was a very popular young man he yeah. uh dealt with all uh, he associated with all types of groups if somebody saw him in the mall regardless of their background or right. anything uh, everybody said hello to kenny everybody loved right. kenny so to speak right. is what we like to say and it yeah. was true it was yeah. true but as his uh diagnosis and his illness progressed uh he kind of re- he was much harder to be friends with because the illness was really kind of taking over as far as how he was sure um and unfortunately He lost hope a few weeks before graduation from high school. We think part of that was everybody was kind of going off on their own. He was still kind of struggling a little bit, and things had declined. Um, So we really ran out of time. So we lost Kenny, and there was a lot of stigma surrounding his death. And so uh, we really were motivated to transition our efforts from trying to help Kenny to realizing there were many, many other people out there dealing with the same type of um, issues, and there's really nobody representing them. Yeah. And my wife and I, Trisha, we were uh, experiencing this. We knew what was happening in the system. We knew there's a lot of failures in the system and, and a lot that needs to happen. So that's really where we started. We didn't really know what we were going to do or how we were going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we literally set up at a table in front of Rita's Ice, just talked to people. And uh, I'll let Trish pick this up because I don't want to tell the whole story, but sure. um, there's a lot happening. And ultimately, we created Attitudes Reverser Air um, to kind of help those other people who maybe don't even realize they're dealing with something, a mental health disorder. Because youth, that's one of the issues is with young people. They just know they don't feel good. They have some yeah, pain. They have right. some misery. They might think that's just mm-hmm. normal, and that's not okay. It's just not okay to not be okay, so to speak. We really want to pass along that word and raise awareness about what that means to the children and to their parents and so forth so that people are educated because... Well, we found after we lost Kenny in our support groups that about 90% of people have no idea that their loved ones are suffering from mental health disorder when it's hap- when after they lose them. However, in retrospect, if you start looking at signs and symptoms, there are signs and symptoms. Sure. The issue is it's very similar to normal childhood development. Gotcha. And so it gets very complicated. I'm bad, um, yeah. But I don't want—I don't—I want to make sure my wife has her time time—so <laughs> sure she gets One hundred percent. I'll let you pick it up. There's a lot more, but uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I want, we want to hear it all. Please. Well, I'm going to talk a little more about Kenny. <laughs> Please do. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was really hard for him because when a young person lives with a mental health disorder, um, they feel they have to hide it. You mm-hmm. know, they're embarrassed by it. They don't want to tell anyone. So he actually lied to his friends and his peers for over three and a half years. Mom. He told everybody he had mono, and you know, young people are smart and they figure out you can't have mono for three and a half years. Right. And um, so it opened up the doors to some, you know, I, I wouldn't say he was bullied, but some some unkind behaviors. Sure. There were even some teachers who didn't understand. Mm. You know, they thought he was just acting out it was a behavioral issue as opposed to it was actually a biological brain illness mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that we really want to get across to young people as well as adults is that you know you wouldn't tell a young person with cancer well you can't go to the party this weekend until you make your cancer go away mm-hmm. it's not a behavioral issue it's a underly- there's an underlying mm-hmm. brain illness and let's address the brain illness that's right. And then once we get that under control then let's talk about behavior so we did lose kenny it's 10 years i still get upset talking about him but i I talk about him uh, during every one of our presentations and the main messages i want to share about kenny's life is that he was very bright and people don't understand that people who struggle with mental health disorders, they tend to be highly intelligent. Mm. They tend to have an IQ at least 10 points higher than those in the general population. Mm. And when Kenny was six, he had a learning disability and he was tested by the school and we found out he had dyslexia, but we also found out at the age of six, he had the long-term memory of a 29-year-old. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so he was very bright. Um, But then we also share the message that he said goodbye to every one of his friends the day before he died. Wow. wow. And it wasn't until after he died that at least half a dozen young people said, You know, Mrs. Baker, I had a bad feeling, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to get Kenny angry at me. I didn't hmm. want to get Kenny in trouble. So the message we leave with students is we give them the signs and symptoms of suicide, of the onset of mental health disorders. And we talk about how crucial it is for them to, to be a friend, to mm. be kind, to help out if they see a friend who might be struggling. And um, we've developed in-crisis cards, and we share these at every presentation, and we get a response rate. Anywhere from 6 to 17% of kids who respond are in some sort of crisis, either themselves or are concerned for a friend in crisis. Wow. So, um, Uh, You know losing Kenny was really hard, but I know what we're doing now is what he would want us to do because he was that kind kid He had a good heart and uh, I'll just I'll tell you just another quick thing about Kenny like when Kenny was in the psychiatric hospitals there's a lot of kids from foster care and psychiatric hospitals and they show up with literally just the clothes on their backs Mm. and um, Kenny used to give them his clothes Wow. Because he knew mom and dad could bring him more he knew they didn't have it and he knew he could get his own so um he just had a kind kind heart and that's what we find is that these people who live with mental health disorders they tend to be some of the kindest most empathetic people you know and unfortunately in the world most people don't understand that you know and they're open to judging and criticizing and labeling and um, and that's what we want to change, and we want to start with young people. Sure.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing. Um, so, so from there, um, how does Air become, you know, what it is today? So how, I know you said you stood out in front of a couple, uh, was it storefronts and handing out pamphlets or just information. So how'd that all happen?
3: Yeah, it's a multifaceted, like, approach. I mean, it was, yeah. a, again, as I said, we really didn't know exactly what we needed to do. We just knew there was a big issue here. And sure. we knew that a lot of people were not understanding what the real issue was because, right. in fact, the day that we lost Kenny, the the neighbors were being called by many of the media outlets. Wow. trying to find essentially the dirty little secret that might have gone, been going on in the Baker. I mean, what did yeah. we do right. that our son right. would literally go uh, and die by suicide? And right. so that was really kind of what the media was thinking. And fortunately, we happened to be very fortunate, is a friend of ours happened to be uh, in the media, and we asked her, well, what did we do? Because yeah. they're going to write a story. right? right. And uh, so what she did is she essentially brokered a deal where we were allowed to write our story, the truth, Right. About what was happening with Kenny's diagnosis and the in the process that we went through trying to help him. Yeah. I mean, we, there were we had everything in place that if you wrote it on paper, Kenny should be with us today. Right, right, and he right. not. So you know, it's more than just um, which family, which service. It, you know, sometimes you can have everything that you need, and it just it's tough. And so we were able to do that. So we were really kind of thrust into this uh, advocacy the, the same morning that we lost Kenny. Because we had to make a decision, literally within hours of his death, do we let somebody else write the story, or are we going to be involved in that story? And we'd always, we've always been very um, active, so to speak. And yeah. so we just, literally, we just took a, a slight turn, and uh, it was very painful for us because we were still dealing with his death. But literally a few weeks later, we were raising money for other organizations, trying to help get the word out on this, um, because yeah, you, ha- you have to take what you got, right? Yeah. With the cards are dealt. And yeah. you just go with it, and yeah. that's pretty much what we did. So we started raising awareness, finding out what was happening out there, and it took a while. Yeah. And uh, I'll let Trish tell this story because we got we literally got a break. We knew at some point uh, we need to get in front of kids. Yeah. And when you go as a a young a couple who lost a st- student, schools really are not uh, kind of open to that. They're not, not really sure that. what you're going to say, what you're going to do. And I under, we understand that completely yeah. because yeah. Um, you you have to protect the children, right? One hundred. And you want and we're not you know we're not teachers we're not trained so to speak in that respect mm-hmm. uh, although we are now by, by sure. self-trained but um so we got a break one of our friends uh who is now a close friend was one of trish's students and she got us in i'll let trish tell that part of the story since that's your story
1: so i wear many hats nice. so i wear a dog training hat oh, wow and uh it's just been an amazing journey how the dog training and mental health advocacy have overlapped Mm -hmm. and I've met so many wonderful people through dog training and um, one of my classes I was sharing story of Kenny probably about a year or so after he died and uh, my friend said well why don't you come to our school and it was Piscataway High School and she invited us in and um, we put together a presentation working with some other mental health experts and uh, we presented it and before we were done for the day we were getting invitations to come back again Mm. and then we spoke with another high school that year and then it just started growing from there people um started hearing about us and i would get a call you know please come to my school and you know it just keeps growing and growing and i've spoken to over eighty thousand students mostly me face to face and i think that's one of the things that makes us successful, is that it's a face-to-face presentation. Mm -hmm. You know, Kenny's story touches everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning of the presentation, we talk about mental health, and we talk about statistics, how one in four are affected. Uh, And the kids are laughing, and it's Mm -hmm. like, it's you, it's not me. And then I get to Kenny's story, and you can hear a pin drop, and they listen. And then that segues into signs of suicide, and they listen because they all have a friend who's struggling. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them has somebody who's struggling and they wanna help them and they don't know how. And most adults are not giving them the words or the tools in order to reach out and and to get help. You know, we have had um, at least three times, once the school called an ambulance to rush a girl to the emergency room right after our presentation, they had no idea how, um, how much she was in crisis. And then two other times we had students actually escorted by a school staff huh. to the emergency room because the students were in crisis and they had no idea they could reach out and ask for help. Huh. So we give them permission to ask for help.
0: I love it. And how how did the, the name Attitudes in Reverse
1: come about? That was really our daughter's uh, wordplay. Um, she's an English major and uh, – we were talking about mental health being like air. You know, you don't see it, but it's all around us. Mm. And then we started thinking about, you know, what can AIR stand for? And it just came out. Within like minutes, it Hmm. just came out. Um, And then how we really started, we started with the t-shirt. A t-shirt contest and uh, the goal behind the t-shirts, like a truly grassroot effort that people wear the t-shirt and they're like, Hey, it's a really cool t-shirt. What does air mean? Yeah. And it allows you to start a one-on-one conversation about good mental health and suicide prevention. So that's, that was really the, the genesis of it. And then a year later after Kenny died, after, cause we started right away, um, Caitlin received the governor's award from the mental health stigma council. Wow. Yeah, and Very that kind cool. of put us on a path. Yeah. yeah. You know, it put us in front of people. Um and then probably six months later, I said our little dog Mickey won a national award. He won an award from the American Kennel Club. Wow. And um we got to go to Florida and it was on T V and it was really exciting. He won our first national award. Uh-huh. Um and it just kind of keeps going from there. Yeah. You know, and um people hear about us and they want us to come into their schools and because they know more and more the teachers are starting to understand we have to have these conversations about mental health with our students and some teachers you know I feel bad for teachers because they did not go to school to be counselors Mm -hmm. yet Mm -hmm. they're addressing all these issues with their students so um, they like when we come in because we put it out there we don't have any stigma and we just deal with it and the kids know it comes from our hearts and they appreciate it and again i think that's why we're so successful because it comes from our hearts
0: definitely um so let's let's talk a little bit about the programs you all offer um just kind of go you know one down you know down the lane with uh what's you know explain a little bit about the awareness uh, outreach
1: okay so um i'll start coming up for air is the first program we developed and that's for middle school through uh actually we have a program for college level as well and we talk about underlying mental health issues and then we segue into signs of suicide we started looking within the last couple years about the suicide rate for those 12 and under has actually doubled in the last 10 years so we knew talking to kids in even middle school is is not it's not young enough Mm. so we created the toolkit program And that is designed for second through sixth graders. And it's a really fun program. We get them up and moving, and we teach them some deep breathing exercises. We talk about their brain, Mm -hmm. and we talk about brain health and steps that they can take in order to have a healthy brain. And then we let them know that, well, sometimes brains, just like any other organ in the body, they can get sick. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can't control your thoughts or your feelings, you know maybe you need to talk to somebody maybe you're feeling like you're in crisis and you sure. need to talk to a trusted safe adult yeah um then we, we incorporated uh because as Kurtz mentioned earlier we used to go to public places and we found nobody wanted to talk about mental health or suicide but we would have our dogs with us people would come up and pet your dog yeah and after you talk you talked about your dog and they talk about their dog and then they would say what does air mean and it broke down that barrier of stigma. And nine out of 10 people who stopped all had a story. Sure. Wow. It's just it took the dog to, to open up and, and, and start that conversation.
0: So is that the pause for minds? Yes, okay. that's
1: pause for minds. And that too has expanded. So we're gonna be launching our own therapy dog program okay. um, this summer. Um, and we're also doing crisis response with our dogs. We sadly had, uh, too many suicides in Mercer County this Mm. past this past uh, half a year and after each suicide what the the counselors found the teachers found the superintendents found is the kids didn't want to talk but we would walk into the building with dogs and the effect would Change completely. So the kids would sit on the floor talking to the dogs and then the counselors would sit on the floor and the kids start talking huh. and they started to talk about their friend they lost and started the healing process. So I'm working with Hopewell Valley School District and our goal was to have three to four dogs on every school property so that if a student is having a tough day is dealing with school refusal, they can go visit a dog and boom, within five minutes, most kids are back in school after visiting with the dog.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Um, and and two more that I that I have here is uh, community of kindness and hero.
1: Okay, so actually, there's one more on there, okay, that I, I, we got left off. So we have a traveling exhibit called in their Shoes, and right. that exhibit, Consists in New Jersey of just under 300 pairs of shoes of New Jersey youth who struggle with some sort of of thought um, Some sort of mental health disorder and they were too embarrassed to talk openly about it And they were all the youth who lost their lives to suicide The goal of the exhibit is twofold first It's to let young people know that if they're struggling with those thoughts that they're not alone And then second, we wanted to figure out some way to reach that 75% of the population has no idea how hard it is to wake up every day and live with a mental health disorder. We wanted to educate, to increase understanding, compassion, and kindness towards those who do struggle. And then real quick, um, community of kindness, we wanna, again, reach the population so that mental health becomes just an ordinary word. It's no different than living with any other medical illness. So it's programs that we can do with students. Um, We do warm air for winter. We collect socks, gloves, beanie-style hats, other items, and we deliver them to different mental health hospitals uh, for Christmas. We go up to um, Honor Ridge Academy in Clark, New Jersey. It's a a school of students who face challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, So we try to make Christmases a little bit better for for others and it started because um well christmas is different for us now Sure. and um kenny said to me i was driving him home a little bit after christmas from a psychiatric hospitalization and he said you know mom they made a nice christmas for us sure. so that's our hope is to be able to make a nice christmas for mm-hmm. other people sure. and that's then what powerful. was the one i we forgot was there's there a business lunch and learn oh right. why don't you talk about that one
3: yeah so what one of the things that she talked about that one of the biggest issues that we run across if you'll notice like kind of through this whole process it sounds like we have a lot of programs and really what happens is we start getting into the uh, having these conversations with um, the students at first of course and we start getting feedback and everything that we do is uh, very methodical very research based but the, the component that makes us different the differentiator we have is we're adding the personal stories mm. live you know, uh, stories which connects the students to the actual material. Right. And that's what everybody tells us really kind of makes the difference. Because you can go to a school and you can get this in a book somewhere. Sure. It's, uh, uh, everything we do is research-based, of course, uh, but we make it real. And uh, one of the problems we run into is the students get it. They know their friends are struggling or they know there's something wrong with themselves. They may not know the answers, but they know something's not quite right. Um, many of the faculty who are in touch with their students understand it. They know what's happening. They're not really necessarily sure what to do. Uh, Of course, pediatricians things like that understand it to some degree. The big missing piece in this whole puzzle is that young parents have no idea what to look for in their young uh, uh, children as far as mental health development goes. They almost always will assume that it's part of this normal childhood development. If there's school refusal, if there's other illnesses happening, because sometimes mental health disorders can show up in other ways. Stomach aches, like Kenny would sometimes not go to school because he had a severe stomach ache. Mm. Well, that was actually anxiety portraying itself as a severe stomach ache so he couldn't go to school. Now, you don't pick that up initially as a young parent. You just figure, oh, well, maybe he ate something he shouldn't have eaten. or I mean, it could be many other reasons that would happen. But when you start seeing these patterns, it becomes kind of mysterious. You're not really sure what to do. So one of the goals that we have is to how do we reach the parents? Mm -hmm. And we've tried going to schools and saying, hey, let's uh, have an event. Let's bring all the parents into the school, and let's talk about their children's mental health. When we do that, we get a turnout. However, we're now preaching to the choir because the ones that show up are the ones that go, oh, yeah, my child is suffering. I know there's an issue. Maybe I'm going to learn more about it. It's the ones who don't know what they don't know. Right. That's the real critical piece to this puzzle. So we got to thinking, well, how do you reach the people who don't know what's going on? And what other movements are happening right now in society? One is employers are starting to realize that if we take care of our employees' mental health, we actually get higher productivity. Mm. See, they thought of it as an expense for many, many, many years. But now mental health care now exceeds physical health care in the insurance world. So when you are an employer, especially a large employer, and you're paying all these premiums, you're seeing what your prescription drug reimbursements are, and you start tracking all this. It is now, and I think it was in 18 or 17, it exceeded for the first time that cost of taking care of the people's physical needs. Wow. So now we have employers on board kind of as a group. They're just starting to understand that this is really critical. So now we're going in, we're trying to go in as much as we can. We go into employer space, and we just want to talk about good mental health practices. Mm -hmm and raise awareness about what, when that may be going off track a little bit with a slant towards their youth. However, we're also educating the employees. So it's kind of a two-headed, yeah. uh, you know, kind of a two-pronged way to get at it because right. if we educate the parents, one, we're going to help them in the workspace, we're going to help the employer, and we're going to give that knowledge that, hey, maybe I've Now, wait a minute, maybe that thing that my child's stomach ache it may not be a stomach, you know, it may not have been something they ate last night. It might be something else. You know, if they're declining grades or there's other aspects that are occurring, well, why is that happening? Why are these things occurring? We need to start asking a few more questions, not just making assumptions. Yeah. I mean, they could be correct, but that's the key is to educate young parents about what to look for. And I think we're going to get a lot more parents understanding what their children may be dealing with and actually asking the question they need to be asking. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling mentally today? How mm-hmm. often do your parents don't ask these questions? Sure. Right. I mean, it's okay for parents to ask Are you feeling suicidal? You're having suicidal ideation. People are afraid of these types of things. Sure. But it's actually not, it's actually a release. Mm-hmm. If somebody's actually having these thoughts, and so forth, Then you start asking these questions because when somebody's seriously struggling, they start losing perception on reality. They start closing in, they start closing things off, and they start focusing on the pain and how do I diminish the pain? It gets to this point where I don't know what else to do. I, don't, I need help. I don't know what to do. I know I'm in a lot of pain. And this is where you get this track, which leads to a very negative um, result. And we want to change that because if there's other people there at the time who at least understand it, and it can start asking these questions many, many times. And the research shows this. If you can pull somebody through one of these ebbs in their life, mm. most people will make it out just fine. And this is a cyclical thing both by age. Time frame So they've shown a lot of youth that have made it through these really rough times grow on to live very productive, good lives later on because they start understanding how their brain works. They start understanding what they need to do, how they need to deal with it, the coping mechanisms, things like that as they go on. So the younger we get to the students about how to manage these things, the much more likely they're going to develop the skill set they need for a long, uh, successful life. But first, you have to get the parents engaged at some point because they're kind of left on their own. Because we've, we've had instances where professionals will explain this to the parents, and the parents are like, no, nah, that's not what it is. Hmm. It's something else. Wow. And we're hoping that we can get a few more of those because it's, it's kind of like a wave. You just, you kind of, if you can kind of shift it over just enough... You might start getting people on the other side saying, Hey, we really need to focus on this, not see right now you got seventy five percent saying, No deal, no big deal, no big deal. But if we kinda of start shifting that over where most people say, Hey, you need to pay attention to these things. Mm. And it's slowly changing, but we have a ways to go. Do you think
0: there's there's on the parents end there's you know, this denial maybe or just the acceptance of some of this, you know. Well there's denial because
3: presented. they don't wanna be they're gonna like what happened to us. Right. If they come out and say, Hey, my child has a mental health disorder the, the reaction for many people is what did you do wrong what did what mm. did you do to make this happen mm. right yeah. what did you do to your child right yeah and so and that's the big um misunderstanding about this sure right and and sometimes we'll have professionals go out and say hey look if you just stick the family you're going to fix the child sure. it must be a family dynamic there must be something happening at home there must be some reason for that well we were not a perfect family, but we were a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah, for All sure. All right, yeah, I mean, you had two professional people who, like, were very focused on this, and we were doing the best we could, yeah. and we were, you know, always researching, always trying to find answers. We spent three and a half years trying to find an answer. And since then, we've met many, many other parents who, again, not a perfect family, but as was sure. a pretty darn good, stable family, you yeah. know, by most standards. And most people on the outside had no idea. Um, in fact, one of the things we discovered when Kenny started first being hospitalized is our, our daughter was very young. And so Trish had to start asking parents people to watch Caitlin. Yeah. And they were just our neighbors. Yeah. It was amazing how many of our friends were dealing with the exact same thing. Wow. But nobody knew it. Right. Because there's a heavy, heavy stigma towards that, towards the family and the and parents like they don't want to talk about it because yeah. they're like, oh, there must be something wrong. In fact, some corporate executives won't talk about their mental health disorders because they're afraid I'll lose my job. Right, mm-hmm. right. Right? Yeah. There's all these things that we think that are just not correct.
0: Yeah. So attitudes in reverse offers a lot of resources can you talk a little bit about the toolkits uh, the, the youth mental health and what is the butterfly release
1: All right. well the toolkit is the okay. program for the second through sixth graders they okay. get a little toolkit and we talk about the brain um, and in the toolkit they get uh, little cards that talk about 12 different steps things that they can do to help have a healthy brain uh, the butterfly release is something that we do at least once a year And it's to remember all those that we've lost too soon Mm. and um, last year we did it twice this year I think uh, we did it in May we're gonna do it again Um, we read some poems and then we read names of those that we have lost it's a way of remembering them Mm. you know we have to talk about the people that we lost we have to remember them Um, you know it's it's important you know, people always say, well, I don't know what to say to a parent who's lost a child. Well, the thing we want to do is we want to remember our children, hmm. you know. So if I say his name, I don't want you to make a face or, you know, want to get away from me. Sure, right. um, And I want to be able to talk about him. I want to remember that he lived. I want to remember the hmm. good person that he was. And we do that through the butterfly release.
0: Awesome. All right. So uh, kind of switching gears a little bit here. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, several upcoming events that you have? Um, I know I have here. Uh, we have with us uh, Mr. Mamula, Mike Mamula The Momola. amazing Mike Mamula <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So, so before we get into your events, um, I want to, you know, Mike Mamula has been a part of our show on several occasions. Um, so, Mike, you know, talk a little bit about your involvement and, and how this all came, you know,
2: to you. Sure. So, uh I was introduced to uh, Tricia and Kurt through some other professionals in the community, uh, uh, a local attorney and uh, other things in the area, and uh, they introduced uh, the organization to me, and immediately now after speaking and listening to them for a few minutes, you see why I was instantly attracted, right? Absolutely. They're doing some amazing things. Just at my core, I mean, you know me, Jimmy, and, yeah. and what I'm about, and I really believe that all of us are, are here on this earth in one way or another to help each other. Sure. Um especially those who can't help themselves. And I think that's what this uh, this organization really speaks to. So I wanted to be a part of it immediately and I'm really happy that I am. I, I really want to help. And uh, so whatever I can do, you know, getting uh, this podcast uh, to get the word out, I think is really important, right? Absolutely. I think there's so much, um, so much going on in society, in person and on social media, that's untrue or inaccurate mm-hmm. with regard to how people really feel right we Absolutely. live in a world where every day you walk in from the moment you wake up you go get a coffee hey how you doing great okay great sure and you're not
0: right Right. right? most
2: people aren't right and that starts early on and in our society we're kind of we're, we're born and we're molded into a society that really lives like that and it's not true right people right. are hurting and they start early on and they're suffering and they need because of uh, people like Kurt and Tricia and organizations like this to, to find places to, to say that, to, to know that it's okay not to be okay right? and to be able to talk about it. And the same thing, not just personally, but on social media, you know, everybody sees the glitz and the glamour and how pretty and how right. popular and fancy cars and mm-hmm. helicopters. And that's great. It's fun stuff. right? But there's also another side that that's all fantasy to, to, to a great extent, right? People yeah. stand in front of cars and houses that aren't theirs uh, and live in a world that's not theirs. You really have to get into your own world and and live in a a place that's true to yourself and help find your way through the darkness. And when you can't help find people and organizations that can help you find your way through that darkness, and when you do, find that that one little piece of light, then start helping others find it. So that's why I'm here. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. (laughs) I love it.
0: So so one of the uh, events is the fourth annual Taste of Hope. Um, and I, can you guys just speak a little bit about you know what that is or what it was the first three years um, and what you know what you
3: hope for? If it you like to eat and drink, you'll <laughs> love to take you, the taste it. You part guys part. have to come
2: out. <laughs> this is a good one. This is uh, this is one that you cannot miss. Wednesday, October sixteenth, six to nine p.m. at the Princeton Marriott Forest Hall. Uh You can get more information uh, at airair.ngo. We really want to generate a lot of visibility and exposure. We're looking for more sponsorship. We definitely want you guys out there, but it's a really fantastic event. So that that's awesome. So I see that you guys have Mike Mimola as a 2019 Champion
0: of Hope honoree. Can you explain a little bit of how that came about? And you have two other individuals
2: as there as well, a- along with Jennifer Garofalo and with Chelsea Allen. So, yes, thanks, guys. Oh, awesome. We're so
1: <laughs> grateful, very grateful that you're part of the team this year
0: thank you my pleasure very cool so so what is the you know uh, is, it's a, is it a partnership or ha- how do you guys recognize these three people
2: clearly through these fantastic <laughs> photos on the <laughs> <for sure, laughs> Jimmy. <is> very <laughs> well put together I will say
0: with uh, Michael Hope the p- short hair that <laughs> was yeah that was <laughs> when I had short hair um,
1: well it's a really exciting evening of celebrating them and celebrating um, you know their support of our cause of our mission uh and it really is truly a fun night you know you can come out and you can relax you can network again as you were saying have there's um wonderful wonderful food food vendors so many restaurants come so you get tastes of all these different restaurants uh yeah it really is a i i enjoy it i enjoy it because i don't have to I have to say I'm not running it so I enjoy it yeah you <laughs> so if, you, if, if you want to
3: take your uh, significant other to 16 restaurants yeah. wow. for one, yeah, come for on one on low out. low price wow. and <laughs> unlimited drinks <laughs> and dessert very close <laughs> to my wedding anniversary too yeah. so yeah this is one way to cover it. yeah we have you we basically stay at rest- the Marriott yeah, some great <laughs> restaurants from all over the area that's like the best of the best so um, yeah it's, it's, it's really good and we, uh, we make sure we always have different types of restaurants too. Yeah, yeah yeah we always change it up a little bit yeah that's awesome. So Have fun with it. It's a lot of food. Of uh, yeah, a lot almost of food, 30,
2: yeah. a lot of variety, a lot of local restaurateurs, uh, drinks, and uh, some great people from the community, yeah. from all over, actually. So it's a great networking event. It's a great opportunity to eat and drink and just share a taste of hope. Love and that's it. what it's about.
0: Wednesday, October 16th, 2019, uh, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Good stuff. So outside of uh, you know, one of these events, h- how else can people get involved with AIR?
1: Well, one of the biggest things um, is donations. Yeah. Donations, you know, we are a small organization, but we receive no government grant funding. So events like Taste of Hope and individual donations is how we're able to to get out and reach kids. Wow. You know, um, I'm always looking for help as well. I travel across New Jersey. And uh, when I do the In Their Shoe exhibit, we need at least three cars because, sadly, 300 shoes take up a lot of room in, in cars. And then it's setting up, and then it's taking breaking down. Um, we're really excited. We did do our first training about a week or so ago of several people who are interested in becoming presenters of the Coming Up for Air presentation so i'm excited about that because i've been trying to figure out how to clone myself (laughs) right and that's that's been the challenging part (laughs) so i i see you know hope in Mm. in uh finding people who are going to be trained who are willing to go to schools and be able to share the same messages that i share with students so that we can actually reach more students and, awesome. and
2: there is information on the website there, the NGO. They can always call the office. There, there is some, some social media set up. But just reach out and see what's going on at any given time and see how the organization needs help. Um, and, and just by participating, it, you really are, whether you realize it or not, helping to save lives.
3: Uh, absolutely. She, and she forgot about the therapy dog teams, which is what she does. So oh, she oh. Kinda, w- oh wait, let yes, me elaborate. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I can't talk dog. over Kurt's voice. No. I know I to, <laughs> I to, That I is impossible. To, I have to excuse myself. <laughs>
2: to elaborate on what Tricia just, yeah. I mean, to talk about, uh, you were, You mentioned Mickey for a second. Mickey, I think you said, was the number one therapy dog in the country. In what? 2011. 2011. Wow. But Mickey didn't start off that way. Mickey was?
1: Mickey was a rescue. A rescue. Wow. Yes, we believe he came from a puppy mill, and he was in a pet store. He was not sold, and then we were able to get him.
2: With very little hope, right? And so you wow. see where this is going, when people care and, and put in their time and their energy for animals and each other. There's, yeah. Yeah, the great things happen. I love it.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, and the dogs, as I said, the dogs are just a really cool part of what we do because The kids respond. Oh, my gosh. You know, you can walk into a room and nobody wants to talk, but you walk in with the dogs and their faces light up. And it's just amazing.
2: And and can I say one of the things that Tricia told me that stuck with me is, you know, they'll do these presentations in an auditorium full of of students and administration and ask, you know, are there any questions? And maybe they'll get some, maybe they won't. But then at the end, there might be a small line of students, right, four, five, six kids lined up on the side just saying, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes or something that's on my mind? Hmm. And to know, right, that that, Mm -hmm. those are the ones who really, really need it. Right,
1: right. And a lot of them come up to pet the dogs. Hmm. And a lot of them actually say, hey, can we talk while they're petting the dog so it doesn't look like they came up to Hmm. look for help? So I was at one high school where there was a young girl who was triggered by our presentation, and she was crying uncontrollably. She refused to talk to a counselor, and then I sat down with her uh, with one of our little dogs next to her. And in less than five minutes of petting it was Goobers the dog um, Goober uh, Goober. <laughs> in less than five minutes, she stopped crying, and she got up and she walked away with the counselor. And wow. I didn't say anything to her. All she did was pet a dog.
0: Hmm. Wow, it's powerful. Yeah. Wow. So A I R saves lives. Um, and and I was just curious. I was on your website. There's some, you know, testimonials. Is there any one that kind of sticks out to you all?
1: Well, the ones that touch my heart are from the young people. Yeah. Who say thank you. You know, mm-hmm. thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing stories. Thank you for talking. Because of you, I got help. Wow. And that just. Um, because I have to say, there's some days it's like I say, why do I do what I do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? absolutely. You know, no benefits, no vacation, no, you know, yeah. and it's like, why do I do this? Yeah. That's why I do it. Right. You know, and that's, um, and it always, it's interesting. On days when I'm having my toughest day, I'll get one of those emails. Wow. You know, or a Facebook message or something, and someone just says, thank you. And it's like, okay, I have to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So I do see that um, you all have a partnership with College of New Jersey's Testing and Assessment and Psychology Lab. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that's all about?
3: I'll start off. I'll let Trish finish it because she'll fill in the deal. But basically, yeah, one of the one of the um, we're gathering a lot of data. Okay. As Trish pointed out, we've talked to over 80,000 students. That's one of the reasons all these programs have been developed because we're one-on-one and we're constantly researching and finding out what the needs are and how to implement the needs. So we really are experts at this now. Um, And so we continue to get better and better at it. Well, now we're going to take that to kind of another level. We're going to start actually documenting it. We're um, going to go ahead and and get what's called evidence-based which means we proved out the concept through the samplings of the different uh, schools that we're going to and different administrations to find out exactly what is effective. Because anecdotally, we know it works. I mean, as Trish was telling you, we've had you know, a couple students go straight to you know, a hospital. We have a huge amount of positive feedback when we, uh, after a presentation, kids that they had no idea. I mean, we've had students come up, they found out in these surveys that we do that literally nobody knew in the administrative level that some of these students were struggling at all, at all, and the students were really saying, hey, I'm concerned about this particular student, and it wasn't even on the radar screen of any of the administration. Wow. So that's how powerful this is, and that's why it's so important for peers to understand how much power they hold within to help their fellow uh, peers uh, in a positive way, because there's a lot we can do for each other um, and, and, and the younger we learn this, right? right? We learn this at a young age. Maybe we take that on through adulthood and maybe kind of do what Mike was talking about, and help out a little bit it's because these personal connections are far more important than being on Facebook, right? 100%. I mean it's that one on one connectivity and learning empathy, learning how to work with people mm. and things like that. And so we're, we're documenting all this now. We're documenting what we've been doing and and uh, TC has been wonderful. Um, Dr. Kernan has been, helped us out and she's she's putting together the structure. So they're they're doing a lot of the, the structural parts of it, and we're gathering the data. And together, we're partnering literally together to make this happen. Um, so really, we want this to be uh, even more. I mean, we're a national lab, but we want to roll it out even more. So once you um, have kind of figured out exactly how to do it, now you can start replicating, which is what we're starting to do. Right, 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 right. Right. So you got to yeah. nail it down, replicate. You know, tweak it as you go along. But we're at that phase now where it's time to power this thing up. Really, yeah. th- really take it on, I big like time. And that's what this is all about.
0: Awesome. Bishop, do you want to add anything?
1: I think you added uh you covered it all. <laughs> all
3: right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, all right. Sorry so that's so, so <laughs> A plus. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
0: With, with with um you know, connecting with the community with people like Mike Mamula, um, connecting with um the uh College of New Jersey's testing and assessment and psychology lab. Where do you guys see yourself, or where would you like to be, or where do you visualize yourself in the next five years? We're
3: gonna take over the world, man! man I love <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> don't in limit. Don't limit it to that. We're going <laughs> universal. <laughs> I there like it. I like it. I like well,
1: it. We'd love to have more presenters. Yeah. To be able to reach out, you know, our goal is to talk to students in every single state. Mm. You know, because kids are struggling across the country. You know, um, suicide rate of young people, 10 to 24, increased mm. in the last couple of years. It went from third leading cause of death to second leading cause of death. Wow. You know, that's the message I get across the kids. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. And most suicides are preventable. So we want to have trainers across the country, and, uh, but at least across New Jersey, sure. and uh, be able to meet every need for every school so we can talk to every student who, who really is struggling.
3: Yeah, a big thing we want to prioritize mental health yeah. because uh that's the one that's the one kind of like the like Star Trek, right? The Final Frontier. Right. It's really the one we're not h- hitting head-on. And when you're talking about 20% of students and 25% of adults are dealing with some type of mental health disorder, yeah. How how are we missing this one, right? Right. 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 So if we start prioritizing this, just like physical education, all these other great things that we do when we're young, mm-hmm. and and create this diversity and understanding the importance of things, simple things like sleep, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Balance. Mm-hmm. These things that we start to learn maybe when we get older and we realize, well, what the heck was I doing in my teens and my 20s? Maybe I need to balance my life out a little bit, right? These the things we try to train ourselves as adults Well, we need to start to helping the students because um when we were younger i mean uh, my wife and i are a little older i'm, I'm older than her so i'll say I'll i'm, I'm not oh, i'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> i was gonna say I was gonna, I was gonna be nice here for a minute <laughs> but no so we're but but when we were younger you spent you spent time outdoors you spent time doing things and really assimilating all this information i think right. i think we've gotten almost too good at delivering data to our students Right. Right. So we're, we're we're we it's so easy to overload sure. young people sure. without the and they don't quite have that ability to process and we need to learn the value of downtime. Right. right? And we don't really tend to value that the creative time, that thinking time. Mm. What was all that information for? Right? right? Processing relationships, all these things that we we just kinda I mean, you talk to young people and they're they're literally booked from the time they get up to the time they go to bed. Right. And then they and, and so that's just not a healthy situation. Right. Uh, and uh, so we're hoping to pri- essentially prioritize mental health and teach good mental health uh, habits to our young people everywhere.
0: Awesome. Um, so, can you explain uh, what you think contributed to the the current success you all had? So, Air's been around for ten years, correct?
1: Like yeah. just over nine years. Just over
0: nine yeah. years. Um, w- you know, you do all this data mining. Um, you do all this face to face. You. Sp- you sp- you know you guys talked to over 80,000 um students and and you have people like Mike Mamola involved and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Um wh- what do you think is contributing to that? Obviously you're passionate um you know about about air but wh- what do you think could, you know, get you up every single day to build it, you know, even bigger than what it already is?
1: I have to say I'm reading your shirt. Yeah. Faith, hard <laughs> work and gratitude. That's right. Blessed. I mean I, I that's what it is. Yeah you know, working hard, being grateful for the things we have. You know, a lot of people say, well, how can you be feeling blessed or feel grateful you lost your son? And I said, I'm grateful for the years we had. He was a gift. And if he didn't go through what he went through, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. We wouldn't be saving kids. So." That's really I love your shirt. <laughs> Thank, you.
3: Thank you. It's true and, yeah. and we, we've because we've, we have lived experiences when you when sure. you mirror when you match lived experiences with expertise, mm. there really is no greater power right right, right? So when you have lived experiences, um, that helps obviously. Uh, but you need the data and the information behind it and that and that's kind of what we've been able to combine together. And now we're trying to let replicate that and bring other people in with lived experiences, get them to come forward when they're when they're able to train them the way they need to be trained and, and replicate. So that's the process we're in now. Yeah. But I think that's what's made the big difference is that when we go in and we're talking to p- students or people in a workspace or whatever the case may be, they know it's real. Yeah. They know it's a real experience they know that we're telling them the truth, Right. we have nothing to hide or anything right. like that, obviously. Sure. And um, and many more people will come out and discuss it because they actually want to discuss it mm. because it's very therapeutic to discuss these things, these emotions, these things that are going on in our brain that maybe we don't quite understand exactly. Well, we can help each other with that. We can help each other understand why their brain is working a certain way and make it better. Mm. And, and ultimately be happier as a society. Everybody could be a little bit happier. Yeah, for sure. There's no reason to be miserable when you're, dealing, when you're living in the wealthiest country in the world. Mm-hmm. You should not be miserable, right? That's a problem, right? And we'd love to fix that problem. I love it.
0: Um, can we just step back just a little bit? You did mention that you're looking for uh, presenters, trainers. What, what what qualifications, if for anyone who's who's out there listening now and would like to be a part, what, what kind of things are you looking for? In an Welcome aboard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: somebody who um, has no issue talking in front of people. Sure. And the joke is that I'm really shy. Sure. And if you ever told me i talking to uh, 750 kids at one shot, I would have told you there's no way. But right. I've done that. Mm. Right. And it wasn't so bad. Right. Um, but we are looking at some people who are retired teachers. Okay. You know, people who are available during the day so that they can go into schools, um, who who are comfortable talking to students. Sure. And who are comfortable talking about the mental health part of it. Mm. They don't feel any stigma sure. you know because we just put it right out there yeah and that's what the kids appreciate because when we put it out there they know they don't have to feel stigma right
0: right awesome all right cool so um just a, a real quick question that i love to ask all of our guests with you know we're talking about even kids now i, I said this the other day it's like my, my five-year-old son has a busier schedule than me yeah. <laughs> um how do you guys do how do you manage the work-life experience do you, how do you even make sense? So it's not. So I'll you, let Trish you, start yeah. she's got the toughest schedule.
1: <laughs>
3: it's no, hard. It's, it's
0: really hard. hard. I
1: work seven days a week. Yeah. You know, I run a dog training business. I, um, you know, we do air during the week. And I just started working at uh, Penn Medicine Hospital because there was just some wonderful opportunities there for me. Yeah. Uh, in networking and then sharing some of my experiences. Um, it's just. Just a lot of balancing, mm. you know, knowing what I have to do, planning for things. You know, if I know I'm going to be in school three days and I have something I have to get ready for Saturday, I have to make sure if I have a little bit of time on Monday, I'm going to do it. So it's just looking ahead as much as I can look ahead. I don't usually look ahead too far. Sure. Um, but it's just trying to keep everything in, in balance.
3: I Definitely. think, yeah, she's right. I mean, I think a key to this is time management and, and, and booking time for yourself. Mm. Because you need you really need to book down time because we have to practice what we preach, right? Mm-hmm. We tend to be very good about getting enough sleep, right? right. Because we, we see that in our young people where they should be getting 8, 10, tw- even sometimes 12 hours of sleep, and they're not. They're yeah. simply not getting enough sleep, and we feel that might have been one of the issues with Kenny. So we're, as a family, we're very focused on making sure that happens. And, and so if you schedule even the downtime or times of the week or the periods of, uh, that you're going to be oh, to take care of yourself. Yeah, self-care yeah. is critical. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of high-stress jobs out there, and I think adults need to learn that as well. And, but our students are dealing with the same thing. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we do it. We're trying to practice what we preach because we're learning a lot as we go through this process, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's it, time management and really booking that time to manage yourself and take care of yourself and have some self-care in there. I love Absolutely. it.
0: Absolutely. It. And Mike, I, I want you to chime in on this one.
2: 'cause you always have also have great advice. <laughs> I think it starts with awareness, right? Mm. It's like, you know, spending money, money, uh, people don't really, you know, realize what they're spending because they don't keep track of it. It's the same thing with time. And you have to become a student of your calendar. And in order to do that, you have to be aware of what you're doing with your time. Mm. You know, the social media is an endless, there's no end. People don't realize that when you get on Instagram, there's no end to that story. You can be (laughs) up until four in the morning, same thing with Fortnite, same thing. So you really have to start becoming aware of what you're doing with your time and then start figuring out how you want to prioritize it. Once you do that, then you can figure out what things you're going to do and when. And I can't agree more with with Kurt, you know uh, from us talking in the past. I'm a huge believer in meditation as busy as I am and we all are for me personally, it gets me grounded, it gets me back to center. So, you know, I will find 20 minutes a day twice a day no matter how busy I am to get back to center as things are coming unraveled. Because it's that important, right? I can't put the oxygen mask on you until I put it on me because I need that in order to figure out exactly what's going to happen and when to kind of have a clear vision. So it starts with awareness, I think, and then some focus in terms of organizing your schedule. And then I think the last part of it is to get into a flow. Mm. I think there's a difference between grit and flow. And so many people today are trying to grit through life and got to do it, they got to Really you want to get into a state of flow where you can take the good with the bad and understand the purpose of what you're doing and continue moving forward and accepting the, the trials and tribulations, but keep moving in the right direction. And that'll keep you going, being aware the, the whole time of where your time is spent, where it can be better spent, and just continuing to hone in on that.
0: Well said. Uh, thank you. Um, I guess for my last question I have for you all, um, what's your recommendation to anyone trying to raise awareness uh, for mental health and suicide prevention?
1: not being afraid to talk about it that's really what it is is that it's just that stigma that people think that people think it's about choice Mm -hmm. and they have to understand it's not it's about an illness Mm -hmm. nobody chooses to have a brain illness
2: Mm -hmm. it's yeah and i i agree with trisha it's you know it comes back to fear right fear of what people might think of, of me or fear of what people might say or do it's just if you want to raise awareness get out there and start talking start you know knocking on doors ringing phones sending out emails and start talking about things let's talk about the things that people are afraid to talk about that's what we need to do we're mm-hmm. emotional creatures and somehow we've we've grown into a society where everything is Academic and technological, but at our core, we're emotional creatures. We need to bond and exist on that level and start talking about it. That's how we're going to find a cure. Absolutely.
3: Uh, no, what I, I mean, what I was going to say along the same lines is really, um, we need to become far more empathetic mm. and receptive to how other people are feeling, and really hone in on the skills to really identify in each other, like when maybe they're struggling a little bit. So, if we start like focusing on how we can help each other. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's what, you know, two, four, six, eight, seven people in this room right now. So we're all focused on trying to help each other. You got seven on one now, right? Instead right. of one on one. is right. that better? Right. Isn't that better to have us looking out for each other right. and really a developing a sense of empathy and caring and love for each other? Because that's what really carries the day. Sure. Right? And that's really what we're here for. We're here to see what we can do while we're here to help others. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Right? There's a greater purpose than ourselves. And when we project that out into society, we try to help each other in any way that we possibly can. We feel better about ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And we yeah. also help everybody else. So we need to kind of make that a priority to, to do the best you can for other people, and you'll, you'll come along for the ride. I love it.
0: Awesome. Well said. Um, so there you have it. Uh, where, where can folks you know get in touch with you all, whether it's social media, websites, anything you want to plug?
1: Website uh, email is the best. Okay. So it's AIR, A-I-R dot N-G-O. Okay. And they can reach us through uh, through email. So Perfect. social media, I'm on Twitter. Took me a year to figure out how to do Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, but nice. I have a volunteer in, in Phoenix who helps me with that because nice. I still haven't figured that one out yet. Sure. And I'm on Facebook and no one else is. So Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah everything That's links hilarious. onto air.ngo. So if somebody okay. goes to air.ngo you can find all the social media sites they're on. You can there's a contact form there, you can reach us there. Um, All the opportunities, including the Taste of Hope, are there. All the stuff funnels through the air.ngo site.
0: Perfect. All right, so there you have it, folks. We like to wrap things up with quotes, and the first one is by Anne Frank. How wonderful is it that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world? And the second one is by Albert Einstein. Strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. So there you have it. Attitudes in reverse. In this episode, we had special guests, Mike Mamola, and the crew from AIR, Tricia and Kurt. We cover topics that range from mental health, suicide prevention, volunteer work, saving lives, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Anne Frank and Albert Einstein.